Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Ye sinners, flee to the cross. There is a judgment to come. The righteous judgment of God will fall upon a disobedient people. Jesus said it. God said it through all the prophets from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Abacca, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi. They all preach repentance, calling God's people back to him. There's a judgment coming. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who will not forsake you. But you've got to turn from the wrath that is to come. Come. It's repentance. 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 Oh, if I had it, if I had it, I would pay $100,000 and have Joel Osteen play that tonight. The people would be shocked. They'd be mortified. There's an author, he said, when some people, when they first come under the sound of Holy Ghost preaching, they are mortally offended because the white light of the gospel is exposing their sin. Good morning. We were, uh, thank you for listening to Stand Up For The Truth. We are going to talk about a very important issue, actually several of them today, affecting the church. And it's titled, Powerless Churches, Safe Sermons, and Prayerlessness. These are issues in the church. We have enough going on in our culture, in the world, um, but sadly what we are seeing is too many in the church have conformed to the world. And we're going to kind of analyze why that is and what role does leadership have or what responsibility does leadership in churches have in our culture and um, in this, what's happening, the consequences. So let's open in prayer before we get to our guest. You just heard him, uh, Pastor Shane Eidelman. Father, thank you for allowing us to talk about things that really matter. I pray that you would both encourage and convict and challenge people today and help us, God, to wake up. Help us to understand the times and help us to know how to respond. Lord, just one day at a time, help us to do what you've called us to do. And I pray in Jesus' name that your will would be done in the body of Christ, in this country, on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Shane Eidelman is the founder and lead pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Lancaster, California, and uh, Leona Valley. He became the Westside Christian Radio Network, or he began the Westside Christian Radio Network a couple years ago, and he's the author of eight books going on nine, and uh, one of them, a recent one that we had him on last time to talk about, If My People, in case of a national emergency, read this. Pastor Shane, thank you so much for coming back on Standard for the Truth. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. I love your title, too, Standing for the Truth. Isn't that the goal of Christians these days? Yes, and we're seeing a lack of it, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I really appreciated your recent article called America's Achilles Heel, Powerless Sermons and Prayerless Churches. Um, Before we get to that, and I'll let you even maybe elaborate on that clip we just heard. We played from one of your sermons. You've been on a sabbatical. Tell us how long, how that's going, and what— what, what is God saying to you? Give us a little insight. <laughs> oh, you sure you want to unpack that one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I was getting to a point where, um, you know how they say you're not tired of the ministry, you're tired in the ministry. Mm. And contending and fighting 
and struggling and juggling so many different plates, being married with five kids, you know, all under 16, and the church and uh, writing articles nationally and speaking, and then the election um, uh, debacle mm. in November, and, and I mean, just the, the fraud, and the, you, mm. know, you know, I don't want to revisit all of that, but yeah. you're, I'm sure your listeners are aware of that. Uh, we were played in many areas. Yes. So anyway, it just, it just all kind of hit. Um, and I said, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm just, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I need a refreshing. I need a filling of your spirit. And um, the, the elders at our church granted me a sabbatical. So it wasn't actually something where, you know, I have to take this or else I'm not going to make it. I, I think, and Chuck Smith talked about this before and other pastors, where you know, when you're, when you're walking with God and filled with the Spirit, you don't really, you, you know, you, you're, you can avoid nervous breakdowns. You can avoid things because it's the fullness of the Spirit is your strength. But I just felt this is a time to reset. I need to reset. I need to refocus. I need to get back to doing what God has called me to do. And that's why, you know, pastoring from weddings and funerals to counseling, mm-hmm. it can really take away from your main priority of preaching the word, guarding yes. the word, being in prayer and intercession, corporate prayer, private prayer. And, and I believe that these sermons, the one, especially the one you guys just heard on the clip and from pastors, these sermons have got to start coming from the prayer closet. We cannot be so busy and so, uh, you know, uh, so worried about what's going on and fearful. And then, you know, maybe um, our, our sermons are lifeless, and that was the point of that article, is, is dead sermons in lifeless, prayerless churches. Something has got to change. So long story short, God began to downpour so much into my heart taking this time off. It was hard. And the, the new book that's coming out is 40 Days to Reset Your Life. 40 Days to Reset Your Life, and it, it's about uh, changing things spiritually, but also physically, because our physical effects are spiritual. I mean, if I'm, if I'm eating too much and, and overweight and tired all the time and don't feel good, do you think I'm going to perform better spiritually? Absolutely not. And if I'm not doing good spiritually, it definitely affects the, the physical. So, right. of, of course, we don't put them on the same level, but they definitely affect one another. So that's what this book was about. Um, it talks a lot about fasting as well and starving the flesh, and it's not a matter of bending God's arm. It's a matter of bending my knee and so much history. I don't know how, you know, if you've read a lot on this, but there was, there's tons of Christian history on the discipline of fasting. And um, that's what I do now before preaching. I, I have to go up on an empty stomach. And mm. so it's been a season of fasting. I'm going to talk about that, a season of seeking God. So I'm actually, we're recording this uh, probably, I don't know when you'll release it, but a week or so before I'm actually coming back. Mm. Uh, to to preach and I'm just I'm so full of God's spirit I'm ready I'm re, I'm ignited reignited refueled and I think the topic's going to be on rending the heavens oh God would you rend the heavens again isn't that our cry right now as a church yes. oh God you there's got to be a door downpour and that word in the Hebrew is rip open mm-hmm. God you've got to rip open the heavens but and I'll leave with I'll let you comment sure. now but I'm going to just leave with this so many people that are engaged and focused and contending for the truth, like you, like me, like many of your listeners, I'm sure, our, our Achilles heel is pride and arrogance mm-hmm. and knowledge and a lack of brokenness, a lack of humility. And so when I go up to that pulpit, I need to be ready to weep before I whip. Leonard Ravenhill was famous for saying that. So that's my concern for a lot of these truth people is they're pounding the pulpits 
but they're not bending their knees in the prayer closet, truly being broken and humble before God. Because God, God's not going to move through a prideful pastor any more than he's going to move through a lukewarm, woke pastor. Mm. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, we've got to find that middle ground of truly being filled with the Spirit. Amen, brother. Um, there's so much you said there that I could follow up on or comment on, but I do want to get to your article. But first, do you think, uh, we've heard so much about Second Chronicles 7.14, a wonderful scripture specific to Israel, but a principle you know, of repentance, uh, you know, of course, it's for everyone, and we can apply it to American Christians. But do you think that just got to be like a kind of like a, a motto, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and and turn from their wicked ways? It just seems like we say it every Fourth uh, of July or National Day of Prayer. It just doesn't seem like it's that is effective, not the Scripture itself, but our uh, response to it. And what you said about seeking God in humility and and um, just we need a revival, we need an awakening. It's got to come from the people of God. Your thoughts on Second Chronicles seven fourteen as it relates to what you're talking about in a way? Yeah, well, in two points, I actually agree with both of those. Um, and as we know, the context is with Israel. Solomon, you know, when I bring pestilence, when I bring famine, when I bring drought, mm. if my people. So in other words, when the judgment hand of God falls upon a nation, there's a principle to follow, to get back on track. So I would say, and people you know, they email me, you can't use that verse, it doesn't apply to us today. And I'm like, okay, let's <laughs> hold on here. So if we humble ourselves and we pray fervently and we seek the face of God and we turn from our sin, God's not going to honor that. You've got to be kidding me. So correct, the context is for Israel, but the principle as all of God's principles on morality still apply today. And you just hit something that's been on my heart quite a while, is like a lot of the things in the Bible about praying, loving your neighbor, blah, blah, blah. I've heard all that before, and here we go, Second Chronicles, yeah, I can quote it, but are, you, but are you living it? Yes. So the key with verses like that is, again, what I talked about earlier, putting it before God before the Lord, and just meditating on it, looking up the original, you know, the Hebrew, what does this mean, the context, God, let me put this in my heart, what are you speaking, and and versus just saying as a motto, we have to live it in our heart, and I've been meditating on two passages that, I mean, they are just, sometimes I'll just begin weeping, and and during worship, and those, in Isaiah primarily, where God says, I am, I am the high and lofty one, I dwell in eternity, and I dwell among those who have a contrite and broken heart. And many times I can't even get through it on, on the, the nature of God's character, and He will dwell with those who are broken and contrite. And the, the other one, of course, is, you know, would you rend the heavens and come down and, and shake the mountains again, Lord, and fight our enemies? And And the Scripture has got to come alive. So true, it, it's becoming a cliche, but I think um, if we can refocus on it and re-get our hearts aligned with it, it can be life-changing. It's fascinating that you quoted that context, or you shared a little bit about that context in Second Chronicles there, because God did say, if I send a plague among, among yeah. my people, <laughs> and it's, it's fascinating. Do you think, Shane, uh, that either God is judging America, or as a whole, or do you think he's judging the church or beginning to? What's your take on that? You know, that is a hard one because we we really don't know what God is doing right now as far as, you know, okay, here's, let me lay it out for you. 
we don't know his sovereign plans, and they can get confusing. Some some people, when you know Trump was elected, you know here here we go. It, it, you know God's blessing us again and going to honor us again, and and then you know Trump's losing. And I don't want to you know talk too much about that, but I think God used that to show us that policies, procedures, and men are not the answer, mm. and that this time is broke a brokenness and humility and seeking God. So I think they are overlapping personally. I think God is obviously, I, I think the judgment of God began quite a while ago when you begin removing him from all areas of life, mocking his word. Sexual perversion is illicit and in your face. We are murdering our own children. And to not to not think that the judgment of hand of God is falling. Yes. Um, I, I don't. I, I. I. would have to disagree. I think it is, and it has. However, the the reason I'm encouraged, and I believe my role in all of this, is that prophetic voice of calling the people back. How often would God say, "I'm judging," but guess what? If you do this, if you do this, and return to me. But in the midst of that, you've got a remnant praying church. Um, there's, I mean, the church is alive and well throughout the United States. It's hard to spot, <laughs> but, you know, you've got this remnant of people. Yes. However, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, how many of God's people had to go into captivity? Ezra, you know, uh, and Nehemiah. I mean, so in the judgment, there is that remnant that's contending, that's praying. So I personally don't know where we're at in all of that timetable. I just know, know that we have to be the, the salt and the light. God's purifying his church. Look at all the scandals coming out. Look at the, 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 the I mean, from Ravi Zacharias, which mm. just blew my mind, yes. to, um, to these mega church pastors. And there's nothing wrong with a large church. God can, I mean, ours is considered a large church. The ministry is large and growing, and God can do that. But it has to be coming from a, a humble heart, a broken heart, focused on the Savior. Like John the Baptist said, I must decrease, but he must increase. So I believe, to answer your question, I believe, yes, the church is being judged, the nation's being judged. It's a purifying process. Depending on your eschatological view, meaning end times, you know, I'm kind of caught in the middle. I see, you know, the the, the, the position of a millennial, post-millennial, mid-millennial, pre-trib, post-trib. I mean, I just know we need to be ready, and um, we could be going into a very interesting season of persecution. I believe that, too, and I th I'm hearing more and more of that, by the way. So thankfully, um, not only are more pastors maybe addressing that or willing to warn their congregations, and that's, that's what a good shepherd would do, prepare the flock and then try to not only equip them but protect them, but we're seeing a warning about this. Uh, we're seeing discrimination. We're seeing a hostility toward Christianity openly now in our country. Well, and it's, it's um, the irony is where, you know, of course the rapture is true. The word the word's not in the Bible, but the catching away and mm -hmm. the, the, you know, so that's, that's going to, that there's going to be, that will happen. But the problem we've had for many years was, hey, before it gets bad, don't worry, we're out of here. <laughs> and mm. I'm not teaching my kids that because you can really disappoint people. What do you, what do you tell them, the Christians in the Middle East being beheaded? Don't worry, exactly. before it gets really bad, you'll be out of here. You know, I mean, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You're not, gonna, you're not going to um, produce healthy Christians if you're 
um, letting them, if you're telling them you're going to be out of here. Now, I think they're talking about when God's wrath is poured out, and, and I would agree with that. I don't see God's wrath being poured out on his people. But how that all unfolds, I mean, eschatology, which is a study of end times, is not crystal clear. Mm. All we do know is he's coming again. Uh, things are going to get difficult, and are you prepared? I think that's what we really need to focus on. And, um, yeah, the, the persecution, I mean, look at the, the uh, cancel culture. <clears throat> and, I mean, we can't, we can't take out ads on Facebook anymore. That's right. YouTube videos are taken down. Yep. We've lost, I mean, we, had, we were reaching 253,000 people per month on Facebook. Now maybe, you know, 50,000. And, not, again, not that we look at the numbers, but it is disheartening because God wants to reach the masses. Yes. God want, wants to get that message out there. So I um, hope that helps. hope that answers yes. the question. Yes, thank you. We need perspective from our church leaders in America on this because with everything that's going on, you're thinking, well, you know, God must be judging us in some way or beginning the process. We're speaking with Shane Eidelman, pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship, California. And now into your article a little bit. I know we've got to take our first break already in like three minutes. But Shane, you talk about the dire times that we're in. And you say many are looking to the church to offer hope, but true hope and peace can only come through conviction of sin and deep repentance. And then you say we can't make bad people good. Only God can do that. And I just want you to unpack that for the, for just a couple of minutes here, because it looks like last year with COVID and everything else that's coming against us, the church you would think would be the place of hope, but most churches shut down at a place at a time when more people needed hope. Your thoughts on that? Boy, uh, we got three minutes after <laughs> the break. Well, yes. let me, let's, let's unpack this for a minute. At the beginning of COVID, no one knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, is this the Black Plague? We don't want to, you know, we don't want to kill 20% of our members. I mean, what, what's going on here? But real quickly, the, the facts came out with mm-hmm. what's going on, the agendas, the ulterior motives. You know, we don't have time to go into that unless you want to later. And then uh, I'm friends with Jack Hibbs and Rob McCoy and here in California, so we, there's a targeted effort to open the churches, to be that voice of truth. And, you know, of course, we caught a lot of flack. Well, you're not loving your neighbor. Well, what about the neighbor who's being abused and who's hooked on alcohol? And, I mean, we can get into a whole, a whole other area of that. Hmm. So we opened the churches, and I started to see, even in my area, large churches uh, in, down in Southern California, Orange County, and, and more and more pastors that were just silent on on sin, silent yeah. on repentance. It was it was almost like, and they were embracing ungodly movements. Yes, you know, we, like we we our associate pastor, my best friend at the church there in leadership is a black pastor. He's preaching for me right now. We the, <laughs> so BLM Incorporated is not <laughs> doesn't represent biblical values. So no. you know, making that distinction, and they're actually embracing that, and it was just. It just, I, I just was broken before God, and that's where the article co- came from. Powerless, powerless sermons in prayerless churches are not going to change our nation, capitulating to the government. Exactly. And there's, there's churches still in my area not open oh one year later. Goodness. And if they are, there's, there, you can't sing, you have to wear masks, you have to social distance, and wow. you can only allow a certain—this is unbelievable. So— I'm just seeing a lot of pastors not filled with the Spirit of God. And so this article doesn't come from an arrogant Bible-thumping in your face. It comes from a a tear-stained plea to return back to the prayer closet. Get filled with the Spirit of God, because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, what is the byproduct? Weirdness? Hysteria? No, it's boldness for the truth. 
Amen. We're with Pastor Shane Eidelman. More when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're with Pastor Shane Eidelman today and a very important topic that we're talking about. I mean, we are at a point, friends, where it's, it's going to come down to how the church responds in this cultural moment as to the direction of America. Um, but he said he posted a picture of some teenagers on their faces at the church, and he said, quote, And the young shall lead them. Teens, teenagers, at the altar at 5.30 a.m. before the 6 a.m. service opens. Let me be brutally honest. In these dire times, if you don't make prayer and worship a priority, you will not succeed. Casual Christianity will not cut it, and microwave Christianity has no value when it comes to defeating the enemy. End quote. Pastor Shane, I would love for you to just you know elaborate on that even more because it's just such so many important points. Well, it was it's actually been so encouraging to me. You mentioned we talked about earlier. I've been on a sabbatical, and I would say for the last month, conservatively speaking, I'm getting texts every Sunday of teenagers being saved at the service. And a lot of it's due because uh, our, my, the assistant pastor, Pastor Abram Thomas, is preaching through the book of John and just nailing home the, the gospel message. So that's encouraging. But then there's a hunger for the kids to worship. There's a hunger for them to um, just start. So I, I'm just encouraged by that, by that because I'm also a student of revivals. I'm re- reading right now the, the Scotland revivals and the Welsh revivals beginning in the 1600s, 1718s. And Great Awakenings, and for some reason, God's put that desire on my heart. And you'll often see the children being touched by the hand of God, sometimes before revival breaks out, Hmm. or sometimes as an indicator of what God is doing, because they're more receptive to the heart of God. Man, I hope it's hard not to break down on this topic. Hmm. Um, Just because we are so broken as a nation, we don't see what we are doing to our children. Hmm. And a child will lead them. And so we started a 6 a.m. morning worship service uh, three and a half years ago, and it still goes every Sunday at 6 a.m., anywhere from 20 to 70 people coming at 6 a.m. to pray and to worship, to find their face on the altar. Hmm. And it's just a beautiful time. But now we have the kids wanting to go Hmm. to the world morning worship and get there early (laughs) before it even starts. And so I just, I got to post a picture to show what is happening here at Westside Christian Fellowship, and we're in west of Palmdale in Leona Valley. It's just a small nestle back in the country community that has, we have people driving, you know, an hour, hour and a half just to come to church. And so that's kind of where that picture came from. I, pre- I appreciate that because we need to, to really get the youth involved and engaged because they have been so disconnected, it seems, from the church and spiritual things. And part of that is on us, the older believers who have not discipled properly, who have not really, those of us who have been, you know, teaching or preaching at churches, who have not been equipping the the saints. Um, Okay, I want to go back to your article now because there's so many good points in there, and we will share this at StandUpForTheTruth.com in today's blog post by Pastor Shane Eidelman. You say most churches have a few opening... Now, this is American Christianity. Most churches have a few opening songs, followed by a quick sermon, followed by a closing song. 
get them in and out, may work for a car wash, but not for those who genuinely want to encounter God. Pastor Shane, it seems like we are looking at our watches. We are so distracted. And like you said, I think in that same article, we we can spend hours watching a movie, but we go to church for an hour and we just want to get out of there. It's Something's got to change. I think we lost Pastor Shane. Okay, we'll reconnect with him uh, in a minute. But since I've got an opportunity now, let me just share a couple more quotes from that article. And it's called... America's Achilles Heel, Powerless Sermons and Prayerless Churches. He said, sadly, many Christian leaders focus on image rather than intimacy with Christ, right? Intimacy with Christ. They focus on being woke instead of waking up from their spiritual slumber, and they don't want to offend the world. They're more concerned about being positive, right? They're more concerned about offending the world rather than offending God. And this is sad, friends, but we, I know a lot of... One of the most common emails I receive from people, one of the most common questions I get, is either, where can I find a sound Bible-teaching church that touches on Bible prophecy and is not afraid to, to tackle the events of today, to touch on culture? Where can I find a church that's based on sound doctrine um, that was one of the one of the most popular or the most common questions I get. And I can't always because people will get things from all over the country. I can't always say, well, I know exactly where. In fact, Colorado. This is fascinating, and I know I, I'm getting off topic a little bit because we're trying to reconnect with Pastor Shane Eidelman. Um, we've had several couples now find this church in Colorado because of Stand Up for the Truth. They find a, a truth proclaiming, God-fearing church, unashamed of the gospel. That was in Colorado. So it happens around the country. People are looking for strong leaders to lead congregations. I think we reconnected with Pastor Shane. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. I'm not sure what happened. Sorry about that. Okay, that's okay. So I quoted your article, and I talked about how most churches have a few opening songs, followed by a quick sermon, a closing song, and uh, you say that may work. Get them in and out. <laughs> It may work for a car wash, but not for those who really want to encounter God. Share your thoughts on that. We've become so Americanized, Pastor Shane. Well, you know, God began to work in my heart in this area, I'd say, probably five or six years ago. Uh, you know, when I would, I would talk with persecuted Christians and see videos from underground churches in China, or uh, we'd have worship nights, which is an hour and a half, two hours of worship. And so many times it would take a good 30, 40 minutes before you know, you just you start receiving from God, and, and a breakthroughs happen, and you begin weeping during worship. And so many people comment, you know, saying the same thing. It took some time. And so I started to incorporate that more into the worship service. So we don't have a lot of announcements and bells and whistles and videos to watch. It's, it's powerful worship for at least a half hour, sometimes 40 minutes, and then right into a message and then followed by worship and prayer. And sometimes the first service runs into the second. And so we've been seeing a lot more fruit when people are, you know, you kind of got to press in. Now, that's not for everyone. I got it. But church isn't for everyone necessarily, even though all people are welcome. Don't, hear, don't get me wrong. It, it, we don't tailor it based on what the world wants. We tailor it based on what God's Word says, and that is to press in, to wait for Him, and to renew your strength. And so I, I think just... So many church services are 
uh, just really quick and kind of going through the motions. I spoke at a mega church once. It was incredible. There was a green room in the back, and they're like, I didn't even talk to the worship team, didn't pray with them. They wow. said, okay, they're going to do their three songs it, it, down to this minute. They had the exact seconds on the sheet, oh. and then a quick baby dedication. Then you're going to come out, and you've got a clock right in front of you. And wow. you, once, that hits, you've got a, once that hits 30 minutes, you need to wind down really quick because we've got to get them back up there for the closing song that's four minutes and three seconds, and then we're going to get out just in time for the parking lot to be open. And I just, it was just burden my heart. Well, this, this quenches the Holy Spirit. Now, Absolutely. how do you respond to that, Pastor Shane? Because we know there are some, I'm not a fan of mega churches by any stretch. In fact, I think that's one of the biggest downfalls in the church, the church growth movement that kicked off in the 80s, trying to run a church like a business and have pastors like CEOs. But that's for another topic another day. But the, the, when you have good churches, that are re- there are some good ones out there that do have to have multiple services. Um, man, that is a hard thing to, to do when you've got to decide how can we minister, equip the saints, but still be respectful of the time. Um, could you shed some light on that, on what's the best way to do that? Yeah, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening in different situations, and there are good uh, mega churches. I was visiting Jim Simbola a while back at his, well, not mm. him personally, but his church when we yes. went out to New York. I was actually on Fox News. If people put in YouTube Shane Eidelman on Fox News, you can hear some of the clips on there. And, the, you know, they were pressing in. The Tuesday night prayer meeting is the one we went to. And um, and so I, I, want, I don't want people left with the impression we're against mega churches because if God grows a ministry, it mm. grows. Yes. You know, what are you supposed to do? But what I would do is I would take that to the Lord and say, Lord, we want to wait on you. We don't want to rush it. Our focus is wrong. We're caring more about parking than we are people. Yeah. And wow. we repent to that, Lord. We acknowledge that. And I believe that God would make a way, whether it's a larger facility, whether, um, you know, you have to expand the service times and maybe um, let someone else preach on a Saturday night while you do the two Sundays. And, and you just, but the reason we're also, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I, I kind of even laugh at myself. Like, I'm, man, I'm a baby. I read, I'm reading George Whitfield and John Wesley's journals preached 15 times this week and oh. rode horseback for, you know, 180 miles. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, wow, I'm tired after a Wednesday and a Saturday night and maybe two on Sunday. <laughs> or and so I think, and that's why I'm also writing the book, 40 Days to Reset Your Life, because pastors, we have to be fit physically too, I believe. Now, mm. those who can, I know not everyone can, but a lot of our are, are we're, we're tired because we're amped up on caffeine all day. We're worn out because we're not taking care of our body. We're not eating good. We're not fasting. We're not. When you do those things, you have a lot more energy, and you can get through uh, more addi- additional services. So I would take it to the Lord. And of course, you have to be considerate of parking and children's ministry. And but I think. First, we have to be more considerate of, Lord, what do you want to do? We want to wait on you. Would you show us what that looks like? Hmm. And, um, and that's, a, that's it's actually a beautiful problem to have. So when I started Westside Christian Fellowship with just a few people, we actually, on purpose, the first service concluded with closing worship, and that worship actually turned into the opening of the second service. So it was one long, flowing, three-and-a-half, four-hour service, Hmm. and it was incredible, and it worked because of our situation, but that can't work in a lot of other churches. But that really showed me 
the power of continual worship and yes. prayer and pressing in. So I would encourage people to take it to the Lord, and if you need to extend service times, and uh, uh, that's what you would need to do. I'd rather err on the side of seeking God too much than too little. Oh my goodness, yes. Amen. Big amen. Bold exclamation point to that. Uh, Pastor Shane, your article, you say over the years, there has been a slow shift away from intimacy, prayer, and worship. And you quote Acts 6, 4, which is a great verse that says, but we will give, this is the apostles now, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We have added so much more to that, Pastor Shane. And then you say a little later, as a result, the realities of judgment, the desperate need for repentance, and the shed blood of Christ are starkly missing in most sermons. And I will add to that, sanctification, sin, holiness, wrath, judgment. Um, A lot of people aren't hearing about this, so then when they do hear someone like you or I or someone else uh, that speaks on these things, they think we're either intolerant or being judgmental when we're, we're just trying to get them to wake up and send them to the Word of God so they won't be judged. Oh, amen. And let me, let me explain how, why that's happening. And it can happen in my life, and it has before. And when you, what you said earlier is the key, you know, prayer, intimacy, all that is kind of falling by the wayside. And our normal human inclination, I would say the sinfulness inside of us, if we're not being intimate with God, we're not um, that devotional time, that prayer, that fasting, that seeking Him, our sermons are going to gravitate towards what pleases man, what tickles the ear. I, want to be, I don't want to be disliked. I want to be liked. I want to be a motivational speaker. And I'm, I'm a CEO of this, this church. I've got you know, 500,000 likes. Who's this guy, Shane Eidelman, telling me I'm not doing church right? Look, at, I'm, oh, oh, be careful. That's self-elevation. That's self-promotion. Hmm. And so from this decay of intimacy and prayer and time with God, you're seeing less of the difficult truths of the Bible being preached. Why is that? Because the more time I spend with God, the bolder for His truth I become. That's just the bottom line. Yes, broken. Yes, humble. But also more bold for His truth. Hmm. So what you're seeing in the pulpits is a decay of time with God. Because out of a prayer closet, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said, who a pastor is all week is who he'll be when he steps to the pulpit. Mm. You know, you, yes. don't just, you don't just throw together a little, a, a little sermon and pray, okay, Lord, bless it, and the Spirit of God fall upon you. That, it, it, it's a lifestyle of prayer and seeking the heart of God. And then from that reservoir, when you step to the pulpit, that's what comes out. So mm. that's what's missing. The yes. only way to get to that is intimacy with God. And even for most Americans, our gun safes are full, but our prayer closets are empty. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Pastor Shane Eidelman, uh, we've got two minutes left in this segment. I do want to get this last quote in from your article before we change topics when we come back from our break. Uh, you say, uh, first of all, you mentioned that uh, Zechariah 1.3, it's applicable to all of us, the concept of returning to God and he will return to you. James says, draw near to God, God will draw near to you. But you say the strength of the church is in its purity and spiritual power, not in its numbers. And then you say something I thought was just, this is the money line right here. God doesn't need a majority. He is the majority. 
And so no matter what other people are doing, we just need to seek God first. Shane, your thoughts. Oh, boy, how much time do we have? Two minutes. <laughs> well, and that's what I do want to remind people who are listening right now. You plus God is the majority. We need to pick ourselves up. We need to dust ourselves off. A politician is not the answer. Legislation is not the answer. And I'm for all of that. I'm mm-hmm. for godly leadership, and I'm for godly policies and procedures and laws. But you plus the God is, is the majority. Find yourself broken and humble before him and watch what God can do through one man, one woman, one young adult, fully surrendered to him. It really has to do with, with full surrender. Amen. Amen. Uh, we will come back and talk about another article you wrote, but this is something that we've really been struggling with and, and discussing this for probably several years now because Stand Up For The Truth is hosted by a Christian radio station, Q90FM, and we play a lot of different artists. We have teaching, and we have pastors on. We have, like, this talk show, but we also have music on the radio station, and we talk about some of the artists that come out and say they are okay with gay marriage now, and or, you know, they just justify certain things that we would consider sinful. So they're uh, departing from God's Word. But not only are some of the artists doing it, there are big churches in America. Some of them have put out some powerful worship songs, but then their leaders kind of go off and depart from the truth, or they seem like they're ashamed of the gospel in some cases. So, Pastor Shane, you wrote an article, Should a Church Use Music from Controversial Artists in Churches? And so, uh, when we come back, is it okay if we dive into that topic? Yes, I'd love to, and we're not going to please people on either side of that, but we, <laughs> we can speak the truth in love. And Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn through all this myself. Amen. We'll be right back with Pastor Shane Eidelman of Westside Christian Church in Christian Fellowship in Lancaster, California. More on Stand Up For The Truth in a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Some churches and some Christians are uh, following some wacky things out there, and that includes some people that that write worship songs. So in a minute, with Pastor Shane Eidelman, we're going to address, should a church use music from controversial artists or churches? But first, we have to, we were off air, we were talking about vaccines. I just saw a billboard uh, coming back from somewhere the other night on the freeway. It says, get the vaccine, save lives. What we're hearing in the church is some, some small number of people, but nonetheless, some Christians think they are loving their neighbor by getting the vaccine. And so then they start virtue signaling, whether that's, whether that's wearing face masks, whether that's getting the vaccine. And Shane Eidelman, I, people are struggling with this right now. So before we get to the topic of worship and music in churches, could you please give us some clarity in what your thoughts are on the responsibility of believers and this vaccine that we're hearing a lot about, or vaccines? Absolutely. I'd love to. And if people actually go to YouTube and they, they subscribe to my channel, Shane Eidelman, I have I have more on this. I actually had a holistic doctor on recently, and I have a background in health and fitness. Mm. That's actually where I came from okay. before I started pastoring. So I'm going to just make this real short because I know we're limited on time. But this type of vaccine is a is a messenger. It's it, it it hits the it's deribonucleic acids or DNA. It actually it actually doesn't give you a portion of a virus. So the first thing is it's new. They don't know if it's going to work. Yes. Basically sends a signal to hopefully produce the right protein to hopefully come against COVID-19. However, there's no more flu. There's no more pneumonia. 
I see this more as a maybe a, a flu on steroids. So the vaccine is not proven to work uh, for sure in, in, in doing this. You still have to get booster shots. Now Johnson Johnson just pulled theirs for a while because of blood clotting. What's going on in the side effects is not being reported. That's right. Um, and you still have to wear masks. You can still get sick. You still, so I think it's just people who have not researched this whatsoever are assuming that that's really loving your neighbor. No, it's not. If you're, harm, if you're opening yourself up to harm or your children. Now, granted, there's different views. I have people in, in our congregation who get the vaccine. I mean, that's fine. That's, they have a medical background. I have more of a health and fitness background, mm-hmm. knowing how the body's immune system works and how it attacks. And isn't it funny? Get the vaccine, but who cares if we're 80 pounds overweight? We eat fast food. We don't care of our. We don't take care of our number one way to fight virus through natural immunization. I mean, it's big pharma's in it. So, long story short, no, I would not let that mantra uh, confuse you. Um, now, if it's a, the vaccine completely eradicates COVID, no real side effects. This is a wonder drug. And God given something, it, it, you know, if there's proof, and th- that's a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. this is completely untested. They don't know what the results. How's it going to affect the the RNA, which really is the messenger that sends the messages to the DNA on what to do? They don't. It's we're kind of experiments right now. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's loving your neighbor whatsoever. I think it's Thank foolish you. to say that. It's kind of like saying keep your churches closed if you really love your neighbor. That's right. Yeah. Some people yeah. say that, too. Uh, thank you for clarifying that, because it is from I talked to uh, some medical uh, people as well, and they say technically, according to the definition of vaccine, this is more like a, a an experimental gene therapy than a, quote, vaccine in the traditional sense of the wor- word. But uh, we could do a whole podcast on that, as we were saying. But thank you, Shane. So don't fall for that. And I think people are honestly thinking, well, it's on TV, on the commercials, it's on billboards. You know, the, the government, Hollywood, they're all saying, you know, be responsible, love your... Anyway, so we need to move on because we only have 10 minutes left. And this is an important topic. I wish we had more time on this, but we covered a lot today. Shane, what is your take? Should a church use music, worship music, from either controversial artists or controversial churches? Um, I, two of them, Hillsong, Bethel. Big ones to consider, talking about the theology and their leaders and what they have said in the past. Please shed some light on this. You have an article on it. Well, I'm going to try to get to the bullet points, and I think we need to be careful and show a lot of humility on both sides. And um, mm. I would say that I'm in a process of learning myself on where to draw that line. Okay, good. And do I have concerns with uh, Hillsong? I mean, you look at what they do at their Easter productions, absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't know where, you know, if they come out and say gay marriage is okay. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you really, you've really got to be careful um, what songs you're promoting and, and who the artists are, the heart behind it. And so I, I got it. I'm totally on board with that. Um, with, the, with the West Side Christian Fellowship Radio Network, I'm in the same boat. I have to help with the programming. So we've pulled songs. We'll continue to pull songs. And, but it's a balancing act because you – Okay, let's say, I mean, Hillsong with Darlene Check is a little different from such and such, or if it's the pastor's son and his, some of his comments versus, um, the reason is I've talked to people at some of these controversial churches and the worship leaders singing these great songs don't actually agree hmm. with the stance of the church. So do I throw out the baby with the bathwater and not this song, even, in their, even though the worship leader's heart is right? So what people can do on my YouTube channel is I interview Kim Walker-Smith for an hour, now, who, who is she, Shane? 
she 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 was with Bethel. Okay. She was one of their main leaders. I've talked to Sean Foyt. Uh, he's a friend of mine, um, and they they don't they don't believe in grave sucking. They don't believe in weirdness. They don't believe in the stuff that now Bethel. I have serious concerns with them. I don't promote them. I don't push them. I don't. I. I. I, I yeah. I, I share a lot of the same concerns. But I, I saw Kim Walker's heart. She led worship for us at Jethawk Stadium. Didn't ask for money. Stayed late. Her it wasn't. I, I've and I've seen popularity in celebrity worship leaders, and her heart was great. I asked her all the hard questions, and people can find that interview. And so when she sings, "I exalt thee," or "Holy Spirit, you are welcome here," and, and I mean just loving, welcoming, worshiping songs that draw you in. Mm-hmm. But there are out there sloppy, wet kiss, or it's all about me. And so I, I don't know if you can make a okay. We're not playing anything of, of anyone ever associated with Bethel. <laughs> um, Okay, what about if they don't agree with some of Bethel and they're young? They were young kids caught in this kind of you know um, uh, emotional type experience, and their heart is incredible. They're on fire for God. The worship brings down heaven. Do you do you, you know? Do you not? I mean, look at how much uh, um, flack Francis Chan caught when he stage with some of those people. Now, I probably wouldn't have done that. I've got some concerns, but he's solid. You know, I, I know people who've, we've had his, his person who took over his church come pastor, speak at our church when I'm gone. And so I just think a lot of people have wrong information. They get their material from Headhunter Heresy website, mm-hmm. where these, these websites are so critical of anyone. And, but I do agree that we have to be careful. If you need to pull some Hillsong songs, you know, I don't disagree with that. We've had to do that, too. If we have to play some Bethel songs that are just too you know, this, and the guys are too into that weirdness, you got to pull them. I, I, gotta, I don't know the line is drawn. Does that make sense? In yes. other words, listen, I'll send you Kim Walker's interview, you can listen, her heart, working with her and her husband, I mean, solid, incredible worship. But she went to Bethel 10 years ago. Do yeah. we pull it? Yeah, kind of guilt by association, kind of. And yeah. and yeah, you made a good point. There are some discernment ministries out there who I think they work a little too hard at looking for faults. Well, let me tell you, let me, I think this is so important sure. here, because a lot of the criticism is coming from those who have criticized my church service, too. Don't get too emotional. Don't raise your hands. Don't find yourself on the altar. All-night prayer meeting. What? what are you talking about? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. I remember, and, and I'll just say it, John MacArthur will chide people like E.M. Bounds and those who wore grooves in their floors because of their hearts of prayer. So who has time to pray that much? Hmm. Well, obviously... We need to. Yeah. And so I see this critical heart against those who want to be emotional in their worship. Would be to God that he's bringing home the prodigal sons at the altar. He's changing people. He's breaking addictions. And we cry out to God and we experience him. That's a bad thing. Hmm. So much of the criticism, I'll tell you, is God is my witness. We've had families leave our church. Much of the criticism is coming from those with hard hearts hmm. who have never experienced God and who don't like people to get too emotional about worship. They want to keep God in a box. Yes. They don't want to uh, be be expressive. Now, again, I'm not endorsing weird emotional worship, but I am saying that what a lot of these people are really challenged by is the deeper life. Yes. Well, the Holy Spirit. You know, you can't put the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. You make a very good point in this article about your, the concerns about some of this worship music and 
the churches that are backing it. And you say, while not true of everyone, the vast majority of those who have issues with this music seem to disdain emotional worship and are often not open to what is referred to as revival. Shane, some people just don't like to express themselves, period, so they have an issue with, like you said, raising their hands, but yet they'll do that at a football game or a sporting oh, event, sure. right? And I, you know, a lot of people, and, and I think it's okay to name names if our hearts are right. That's why I mentioned John MacArthur. I love his ministry, but, you know, we definitely disagree a lot with the Holy Spirit. Or Phil Johnson is on, on Wretched Radio with Todd Fryo, and they just blast these people. But I found something. They also, they also blast fasting. They also don't have all-night prayer meetings. They also are never at the altar. <clears throat> They're never weeping for our nation. They're never broken and, and crying out to God. So you see, it is emotional and experience. These people lack an emotional experience with the living God. Mm. And as D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we don't interpret our, 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 our Scripture through our feelings. We interpret our feelings and experiences with God through Scripture. So if yes. my feelings and experiencing God and crying out to Him at powerful worship services line up with the Word of God, you are in good company. You're in God's company. Mm. Um, we only have a few minutes left with Pastor Shane Eidelman, and I, although people know pretty much where we stand, we would rather err on the side of caution and go back to the hymns or go back and just sing act. I call it Acapulco, acapella. Yeah, you know, yeah. just sing with. The, that's what we did yesterday. Actually, there were some issues with the keyboard, with the piano, and things like that. So we just the voices sang out, and some of these hymns that we sang, oh, the congregation, powerful. it was powerful, yeah. but it was well, unplanned. No, see, here's the here's what's happening. You hit a great point. I'll, this will be quick. People who who walk the sawdust trail, like Billy Graham and countless of others to amazing grace how sweet the sound nothing but the blood of jesus the wondrous cross they walked they, they came to the lord in those hymns those mm. are cherished those yes but we can't discount the person who came back to the lord hearing um uh hearing worship songs that are contemporary you know hosanna lead me to the cross uh and um shout to the lord and you're just excited so see music helps us experience God, and we have a tie to that. So you're never going to win the battle between um, hymns and contemporary worship, because I believe they're both good and God-given. Hmm. However, with contemporary, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of junk in there with hearts that aren't right, self-promotion, not theologically grounded lyrics. Yes. And I was happy to hear that Kim Walker and stuff, when they write songs, they actually run it through uh, people about Scripture and making sure it's grounded in Scripture and truth and... And uh, again, I'm not endorsing, I hope people understand, you know, these types of churches. I just, I just don't know how to draw that line mm -hmm. in the sand and throw out the baby with the bathwater when I'm able to talk and gauge the character of the person singing the song. Right, and I think that's where discernment comes in, and we grow yeah. in Christ and hopefully discern to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice and to know the Word of God. I've been looking up at the lyrics at some points in different churches throughout my Christian life, trying to figure out, is that biblical? What exactly are they saying, repeating something over and over? And I, and I question whether it is um, edifying for the church or whether this is really leading us to God's throne. Pastor Shane, we've got like a, a minute left. So just your closing thoughts on some of these topics today. And I know we, we touched on a lot, but we started off by talking about the fact that many churches are powerless because the leadership and the sermons are not because we don't want to offend. 
Absolutely. What, I mean, what are your, where would you like me to go with that as far as why it's happening and what we need to do? Well, yeah, just maybe just give some people encouragement and hope to um, just, you know, dig in the Word of God themselves if they don't feel like they're getting it from their church. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're not getting it from the church, then and actually, I think you should be digging in anyway. And the church, really, we have to remember the church is supplemental to our relationship with the Lord. It is not the primary source. Mm. Same thing with youth ministry. You don't drop your kids off at church and let the youth pastor train them. You're, you do that, and church is a supplement to that. Amen. So hope people remember this. The truth will offend, but mm. our attitude shouldn't. And so as we're contending for the truth, we have to make sure that we're doing it in a loving, gentle way. And as pastors, Christian leaders, youth leaders listening, I'm sure we'll understand that the more time you spend with God, the less you'll be offended by what others think. Mm -hmm. Because I'm telling you, as God is my witness, I come home or I prepare a a sermon and I say, I don't want to offend God. I'm not real concerned if I offend others. Praise God. That's, that's where real change takes place. Yes. Real change takes place when people wake up and they see their, the real condition of their heart. Thank you. Pastor Shane Eidelman, Westside Christian Fellowship, will put his links at StandUpForTheTruth.com today. Thank you, brother. God bless your ministry. You too. Thank you. Great job. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right. We are having our fundraiser the next three days. No brand new podcasts, but we will have Pastor Chris Quintana in studio on Friday. He's going to be in town for the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference in Appleton. So he will be here Friday. Tomorrow you will hear us live But we won't be doing a podcast. Still talking about some of these issues, but we are raising money for the next six months of broadcasting and ministry. Please, please, please remember to pray for our producer, Travis. He's still in the ICU. Pancreatitis. uh, He's on dialysis. He's got problems relating to diabetes. So please pray for Travis, and we will keep you updated as soon as we hear anything. It's one day at a time. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.